真古的秀。Welcome to We'll See You at Hell. It's your podcast for horror movies and the sci-fi picks. Sometimes we do the action shows. Once in a while, we'll do some drama or a comedy. Wow. Why that song? We can we can sing anything we want. There's no rights issues. That's always my joke on the show. We'll say like, yeah, we'll put. Uh, Somebody to Love by Queen in this scene. And then we're like, you know, by the time this airs, it's going to wind up being uh, Camp Town Ladies, which is yeah. one of the free songs you can use. <laughs> but uh, I hate that song. And I hated you singing it. Right. It, <laughs> hey, good to see you, too. Sorry. Uh, Camp Town Ladies is a terrible melody. I don't like it. it Camp Town Races, first Camp, of all. Camp Town Ladies. It's not Camp Town Ladies. To me, the song's all about those Camp Town Ladies. <laughs> I didn't say I liked the song. I just it's it, with the mood struck me and I ran with it. You think I love every goddamn song you sing? No, thank you, uh, folks. This week we're talking about Wes Craven's immortal classic, "The Hills Have Eyes," babe. The fucking hills have fucking eyes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What are the what are the does the fuck do the planes have fucking ears, pal? Yeah. You think huh? you think your vacation was bad? Where I'm at. The hills have freaking eyes, babe. Okay. <laughs> you got anything worse than that? Um, we'll talk about it later. Much later. We're here. Uh, we're having fun. We're talking tonight about movies. We're talking about life. Uh, we're getting on with the show. And at the same time, on with a Joe. Very nice. Little song. Not the only one that can sing. Uh, I liked it. Joe, what's happening in your life? Pat, uh, yeah. I bought a scooter, as you know. I know about the scooter. I know about the cruise you're going on. There. I also Something bought, new. I bought a car, too. When did you buy a car? A guy was selling a Jag, a mint Jag, now, cherry babe. Three days ago, you buy a scooter so that you can get around. Mm-hmm. Three days after that, you buy a car? Here's why I bought it. Guy selling a classic Jag. Jag okay. On the street, privately. The price was insane. It okay. was in mint condition. It was too good a deal to pass up. I snagged it. Did you run any sort of tests? or? I test drove it. I, I ran the VIN. I did all that shit, yeah. Bought a Saturn once on the drive home. The side view mirror fell off. I said, well, promise. I said, I got $1,000 to my name. I'm giving you $1,000. Please tell me if this car is going to work. I need this car to work. I got to get to job interviews. I'm new to LA. Please don't lie to me. He was like, you got it, man. Give him $1,000 on the way home. The side view mirror falls off. Oh, he saw you coming from a mile away, didn't he? So, might as well have had a piece of wheat in my mouth. <laughs> wearing a barrel. Yeah. 
Now, uh, it, it probably didn't help that you walked up to him holding two suitcases no. with a bus ticket shoved right. in your pocket. With welcome to uh, the jungle playing in the background. <laughs> um, I got a scream and end for you. Want me to hit you early with it? Sure. I, I mean, congrats on the car, Joe. So Thanks. what are you going to do with this scooter? I'm still going to ride the scooter. I still don't have a driver's license right now. So I bought the car for when I have a driver's license. You bought a scooter and a car. You got no driver's license. Well, I can drive. The, you don't need one for the scooter. All right. That's why I got the scooter. Did you ever try to reinstate your license in this fucking state? It's a nightmare, dude. No. These fucking DMVs are a nightmare. All right. It's like a two-month waiting period. I explained all this to you, you did. last time. You did. But this car was so cheap and so beautiful, and I thought... I'm going to have a license sooner or later, and I'm going to need a car when that day comes. Why would I not just grab this? I have a space to put it in. Yeah. And uh, I feel great about the investment. Looked uh, it up, got it for, whew, it was a deal. I don't, a talk, I don't want to talk numbers, but. Uh, Scream and Anne, a little film uh, directed by Stephen Knight starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. Oh, yeah. What's that thing called? Serenity. I've heard it's... Among the worst films of all time. It's an American thriller. Uh, uh, here's why I want to see it. Now, it's already outdone its its budget. Oh, no, it hasn't. Sorry. I thought that's at 48. It's made $4.8 million at the box office. Its budget was $25 million. I'm surprised it did that. Uh, people are running to see this thing now because there were re several reviews coming out saying there is a twist that is so batshit. Yeah, we got to go see it. That the critics are like, we can't. I out of out of you needing to see this, I don't want to ruin it for you. We got to go see it. So uh, I'm in. Be the next Gotti. I'm in. Well, Gotti had no twist. Well, we're gonna have to move real fast on this movie if we're gonna see it. But I'm down this weekend. Well, you're going out of town. We're never yeah. gonna see it. So we'll yeah. never see it. Uh, maybe it's my maybe it's on one of those that's on demand or something. Uh, yeah, I just saw a preview of Matthew McConaughey in the new Harmony Corinne movie. I am a massive fan of Spring Breakers. Yeah. Uh, and it looks to be along those lines. I cannot it immediately shot to the top of my list because I really love Spring Breakers. I want to see it. It looks much funnier than most Harmony yes. Corinne movies. Yes. But I'm sure it'll turn disgusting and tragic <laughs> at some point. I'm sure it will. Uh, is that the screaming end? Yeah, I just, you know, I think that's fascinating that critic reviews about this movie and how crazy the twists are is what's making the movie be seen now. Sure. And I want to see it real bad. All right. Uh, Man, the McConaughey and Hathaway, those two, dude, they, they do some amazing films and they make some bad fucking choices. No question. Perplexing choices. No question. Wild. Some of the choices they make. Wild choices. Who's going to tame your wild choices? Who's going to ride your wild choices? Uh, folks, let me take you over to Pat's movie corner. I saw a picture, the uh, directorial debut of Jonah Hill, mid-90s. I was really hoping we could get more product out of Jonah Hill yeah. in different ways. <laughs> thank god you want to see him kind of spread his wings yeah i'm hoping he puts a band out at some point sure that's coming uh yeah uh mid 90 jonah hill all right look i played poker with the guy once he was an asshole he was very funny uh he was very 
He was an asshole? He was an asshole, but what he was saying was very funny. It almost felt like being with, you know, like uh, Don Rickles or something. Great oh, okay. insults. All right, all right, all right, fair he enough. He leveled everyone at the table. Um, but, you know, I don't know anything about the dude. I like him enough as an actor, depending on the role. <laughs> I think he's kind of limited, but I like him in some movies. I don't like that he lost weight. I'm going to say it till the day well, I die. Then just wait a week. <laughs> I don't like thin it'll Jonah be, Hill. It'll be back. But, uh, you know, mid-90s, he's not in it. It's his writing directorial debut. It seems inspired by Harmony Corinne, so that makes him for a nice transition, but it's got that kind of kids feel to it, the movie Kids that was so scandalous when I was in high school. Um, basically, it's like a 12-year-old kid who I guess is supposed to be the stand-in for Jonah Hill. Uh, it feels autobiographical. He's a big skater. The whole time you're watching it, you're like, was Jonah Hill really a hardcore skater into the punk scene? I don't know. But uh, there's no way. His first, the first movie he's in, he's like 16 and he's a house. It's it's very possible that it was not autobiographical. I don't know that much about the process behind the movie. I will say it felt like it was going for that sort of personal thing. It's a young skater. He does something very dangerous and aligns himself with a older more reckless experienced crew he's got a strained relationship with his mom a super strained relationship with his older brother played by uh the hedges kid what's the hedges i don't even know what peter hedges. hedges is his dad but the lucas hedges? hedges the guy from lady bird and manchester by oh, the okay. sea oh i like that guy he's a good actor and he's playing like a bully older brother um he's yeah bully face yeah, he's like the bully older brother, and you know it's all unknowns. He's a delinquent. He gets worse and worse as the movie goes. Uh, at one point, uh, a seemingly eighteen-year-old girl takes him into a room, and you're like, "Please don't show us this twelve-year-old boy fucking this older woman." And they kind of do. She takes her clothes off. He's like shirtless, and like she moves her hands on him and stuff. I was just kind of like. Why Why do we go in the room here, Jonah Hill? I don't know that we needed to. Right. Um, it makes some odd choices. It feels like it lasts about an hour. I think the movie's like 75 minutes long. And it just feels like something you've seen a million times before. It's very meandering. It feels like a student film. Um, it does have a great 90s soundtrack, you know, some Pixies, some, some great stuff. Stuff that you feel like every time a song starts in, you're like, you weren't listening to this, Jonah. <laughs> you were listening to probably Smash Mouth or something. You know, like he moments claimed that like the that. soundtrack was a huge part of it for him. Yeah, well, look, I don't know anything about the guy. The movie, even though I'm giving it a pretty bad uh, rap here, it's entertaining. Yeah, you took a real left turn on that one. I thought you were going to say you liked it. No, it's uh, it's entertaining enough. That, that's what I'll tell you. It's... Uh, it's nothing great. And there is a car crash scene in it, which does not really be a uh, spoiler, that was shot in such a way that I gasped. I was horrified by it. And it's hard to make a car crash scary when every movie does that gag of a guy walking into the street and getting hit by a car. This one was really uh, upsetting. But the movie as a whole, not entirely successful. I thought it was pretty good. Joe? Uh... Yeah, I saw uh, my three this week are documentaries. Okay. First is called Perfect Bid. Never heard of it. Uh, it's a documentary about a lifelong 
Price is Right fanatic. Okay. That was so into the show. He he had watched every episode. He built his own computer programs. Okay. Uh, he was a mathematician, and he built his own computer programs to play the Price is Right at home in order to memorize the price lists of everything. Because he noticed, after being a fan for a while, that they would repeat products. So he made a huge database of products okay. and memorized the price of every single product and then started going to the tapings. And, you know, you can yell out from the audience. Right. And getting people like they would say, like, if they listened to him, they would get it like literally on the fucking dollar. Like, right. And then he got in trouble, not in trouble, but he got banned from the show during the Drew Carey years because... He f he went in and helped a couple uh, bid, uh, and when they bid, the guy beat the entire show, okay. like the final, whatever the fuck it's called. Showcase showdown. Yeah, on the exact dollar, and he was trying to tell the guy not to do that because right. he was like, it's going to be weird. Right. And that made people think that he was cheating, which he wasn't cheating. He just had this savant-level knowledge yeah. of memorization. Uh, and then the guy that got the number from him became kind of famous for a little while, f like the man who beat The Price is Right, and then went out and did all these radio interviews and was like, I did my homework. I watched the show and like didn't give the guy any credit whatsoever right. and got all the fucking glory. Uh, and uh, and then Drew Carey says in an interview at the end of it, like, we've we pitch products so much now that'll never happen ever again. Like we have made it our goal that that will never happen. Yeah. So um, it was a fun documentary. I mean, it wasn't fantastic. It, it had its moments. It's a lot of the guy just kind of telling his story. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't veer off of that quite enough to be sort of uh, visually intriguing. It gets a bit repetitive. But, but I thought the story was fascinating. Okay. And I thought it was cool to see a guy who did all this work and memorized all this stuff who at no point comes off like a weirdo or a creep. It's weird. Right. You're kind of waiting for that turn where he's going to be... But he even says at one point, like, how, like, his favorite woman on The Price is Right was... I forget her name. How, like, he got a chance to talk to her and he didn't overdo it. He's like, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't yeah. want to ask her for an autograph. And he's like... And then she ended up just bringing me one out of the kindness of her heart. Like, he, it's odd how regular he seems for his fanaticism about this show. Okay. Um, this is a Hulu doc? I think I saw it on Prime. Okay. It's the first uh, of my docs. Folks, I saw a picture called Bad Times at the El Royale. How was that? Starring Jeff Bridges and the girl from Fifty Shades of Things. And also, uh, who's the pretty boy? From Ghostbusters. Is it Chris, Chris Hemsworth? Hemsworth? Yeah. Thor. Um, look, the movie's directed by Drew Goddard. Uh, he sent it out like in some top secret box and it led to this big bidding war. You know, it sounded like what they used to do in the 90s when they like really put a lot of panache into these sales trying to sell them. I like Goddard. I like Cabin in the Woods. I thought The Martian was kind of entertaining. I really like Cloverfield. I love World War Z. The guy does good work. 
this movie, for my money, was not good. Uh, it was Tarantino-ish, which I had heard. But it's like some a bunch of strangers come to this hotel, the El Royale. It's mysterious. Um, and a bunch of bad shit goes down. Basically, the movie was kind of a clever gimmick, but they don't pay it off. So like the whole time you're waiting for this twist that doesn't really come, the twists that are there are either shown in the trailer or happen very early. It's very violent and it ultimately leads to nothing. It's kind of this cool thing when you realize that like the bellboy, and this is a half hour in, but he goes around in this tunnel in the hotel and he can watch into everybody's rooms. That's a cool gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, he also makes videos and sometimes pornographic videos that he sends to like this big boss who gets his kicks from him. That's kind of some sick, interesting twists in that region there. But as soon as you realize what's going on, you're like, oh, this would have made an awesome half hour Twilight Zone right? or an awesome hour long Black Mirror. This movie is 2.30. Oh, come on. It's 2.30 for no reason. And at about the time when I was like, can we wrap this up? I realized Chris Hemsworth hadn't even been seen yet. Oh, God. So then he comes in and starts a whole new story. There's flashbacks to him. Anytime you're doing flashbacks at the two-hour and ten-minute mark, <laughs> you haven't constructed your screenplay well, in my opinion, unless you're revealing something. I, To me, every scene in this movie was too long. The movie as a whole was too long. I liked the actors. I liked Bridges. There was enough in it to say like i guess it was kind of cool if you're on a plane but beyond that i can't recommend this movie it left me very cold i didn't i just didn't want to see it anytime they they show a trailer for something like that and they're like the coolest movie of the year like yeah shut the fuck up yeah it felt like that it felt like what it felt like was all those movies that came out post pulp fiction like a things to do in denver when you're dead or something i like love that, that movie i i'm just picking an example but it felt sort of like a paint by numbers um retread of the and it's not like the dialogue feels tarantino-ish it's just something about the setup it, it all feels kind of like a lot of smoke and mirrors that don't amount to much and well, all the, the secrecy and the, all the i think they sold this thing for like a million bucks it's like Really? Like it just shows how easily people are swayed. The motley crew of characters and you know, the the priest who's a thief. It's stupid. Yeah. That's been done. All right. Uh my second docu thing that I watched was a docu series called America's Monsters. Uh it's only like four episodes, and each episode they cover two they're hour they're an hour each. Again, this was on Prime. Uh, and they cover two of America's famous fabled monsters. So, like, the first episode, I think, is Bigfoot and the Mothman. Okay. You know, and then there's, like, a Loch Ness Monster one and another whatever the fuck, you know? So, uh, or, no, first one's Mothman and the Bell Witch. Okay. And then there's, like, a Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster. And then, you know, you get it. It's, like, a little, it's got the feel or vibe that, like, a travel channel show would have. Right. Uh, it's not super dark. It has dark moments, but some of it's very light and, and almost playful about like the history of the lore and how the town celebrates it and that sort of thing. Right. But uh, I love stuff like that. I want monsters to be real, really bad. And uh, anything along those lines, I'll watch it because it gives me hope, quite frankly. Okay. 
Uh, I watched another one of my Oscar screeners called Widows. This was a, a decent hit at the box office over the holiday season. It stars Viola Davis, directed by Steve McQueen, who did 12 Years a Slave. Uh, look, this movie is incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. I hadn't talked to anybody who had seen it, but it's like really fun. It's a fun heist movie. It's got a fun gimmick, you know, these the these women's husbands all get killed in a heist gone wrong and the women know where the spoils of the heist are located. So the women join forces to get the the fortune, the wives. Uh kind of like a set it off feel if you ever saw that movie, which is a great action movie uh by F Gary Gray from the 90s. Um, Widows has an incredible cast, probably overqualified cast for the story it's telling, but Viola Davis, Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out being like a very threatening villain, a really good performance. Liam Neeson as Viola Davis's husband is great in it. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez is pretty fun as always. Colin Farrell doing a terrible Chicago accent, but he's fun to see in it. Uh, Lucas Haas acting again after like 10 years off also in first man but a <coughs> I big, like Lucas Haas yeah he's a good actor Brian Tyree Henry from Atlanta Robert Duvall shows up for a ludicrous scene or two it's just a super stacked cast you know everybody in it and it's one of those movies where you're like yeah this is exactly what I wanted on like a Sunday afternoon it's a good heist uh, it's not as good maybe as like an inside man but it gives you that kind of feel, just a heist where everything's thought out well, everything makes sense, and it's you know it's not so convoluted you don't know what's going on. Good All acting, right. it's well done. Set in Chicago, which I always like. I recommend it. Okay. My final pick is a documentary called The Flatwoods Monster. Again, another monster documentary. Yes. Uh, there's a company called Small Town Monsters. They're producing a bunch of, of documentaries about this sort of thing. Uh, you know, uh, small town American monsters. The Flatwoods Monster, I believe, took place in Pennsylvania, so I was attracted to it because I'm from there. Um, these things are really... Re- they didn't do the other series I was talking about, um, but they have a few of these docs that they did on Prime... I watched a bunch of them. I really enjoyed them. They're very, very well shot. They're much more sinister feeling than American Monsters is. Uh, they definitely lean into the darker curve of this whole thing. Uh, and I would recommend checking them out. They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. All right, great. I'd like to, if I could talk about scary stuff for a moment. I got one, too. Take the reins. Uh, I presented Joe tonight with a small token of my affection, a Blu-ray copy of Who's Harry Crumb dolled up to look like a rental VHS. Uh, I thought this was a great gift idea that Joe would appreciate, a man who's always buying older and older games. And, Which is why I felt bad for spitting on it and throwing it to the ground. I didn't love that either. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there is a small selection of these on Amazon and that's where I got it. To me the only one I really wanted to get was Who's Harry Crumb. But they offer 
all kinds of horror movies and really kind of cheesy bad stuff. It's worth adding to your collection, I think, just for the packaging. And I recommend you check them out. That's all I got. Uh, I'm going to go video game, Pat, as I usually do. Ooh, I just got a headache. Oh, ow, ow. Oh, okay. Is that bad? I mean, headaches are bad, yeah. It hurts on the side. Do you think I, I have a brain tumor or something? I don't think you have a brain tumor. Oh, my God, that hurts. Well, let me tell you what to search while Joe's uh, going through this. Blu-ray retro VHS. Those are the boxes. They they offer Last Action Hero, Sheena, which is softcore porn, if I remember from my childhood. Sheena? Neighbors with uh, Aykroyd and Belushi. Not a good movie. Neither is the Randy Quaid one. No. Cruel, uh, which Joe said he loved. I've never seen. As a kid, I don't know if it's still good. Hard Bodies, which I used to crank it to all the time, even edited. What was Hard Bodies? It's one of those softcore deals from the 80s. And that's about it. There's only a select few. Uh, for me, you got to get Who's Harry Crumb. I wouldn't mind that last action hero, to be honest. I like last action hero. Yeah, Underrated. Uh, video games for scary stuff. Injustice 2. I finally got it. Uh, it's been out for a long time, I know. But if you like fighters and you like superheroes and you like superhero fighters, uh, you're not going to do better than Injustice 2. Uh, it's the DC fighter created by the same people that make, uh, developed by the same company that does Mortal Kombat. Uh, so it's got a very similar look to the new Mortal Kombat games. Uh, and speaking of bonus scary stuff, Mortal Kombat 11 has been announced. Some new characters are coming in. It looks like Pennywise is one of the horror characters this time around, and Michael Myers. Uh, and it looks fucking awesome. Uh, but anyway, Injustice 2, really great, terrific character roster. I'm going to read it to you now. You got Batman. You got Superman. You got Wonder Woman. You got Supergirl. You got Aquaman. You got Atrost- Atrocitus. I don't know who that is. He's a bad guy, though. Gorilla Grodd. So fucking cool. One of my favorite Flash villains. Deadshot. Harley Quinn, she's always in these games, uh, and she's great. The Flash, my favorite guy to play with. Blue Beetle, Bane, always very cool. Poison Ivy, Brainiac, very, very, very cool addition. Dr. Fate, very cool. Cyborg, he's usually, you know, him, Batman, those guys, they're usually standards. Cheetah, who I don't think was in the last game. Catwoman. How long is this going to go? Swamp Thing which I am very excited about. I love the Swamp Thing. Black Canary. Should I step out? Robin. I'm just reading the character list of the people. Can I? Is that okay with you? <laughs> the, uh, and you may be missed. Oh, no, I, I got it right. Green Lantern. Excellent. You're on uh, Dopey. Joker. Red Hood. Firestorm. Green Arrow. Starfire. Black Adam. Any of these names do anything for you, Pat? Star fucker. Stub Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. Captain Cold, awesome. Black Manta, awesome. Scarecrow, awesome. Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Darkseid, awesome. Adam TMNT. How fucking cool is that? Enchantress, and last but not least, Hellboy. That's quite a roster, people. Donner. That was like when I read... Blitzen. Comet. Cupid. 
you just can't turn it off, can you? Wouldn't and it want makes to. me wonder if you ever had it turned on. <laughs> the fans don't want it off. Folks, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. All right, we're back. Uh, folks, I guess we'll get to our picture, right? The Hills Have Eyes. We've never gotten to a movie this early into the show. The Hills Have Eyes, I mean, look, I watched it on Shudder. I assume it's still up there. I watched it with the Joe Bob Briggs. It was part of the Thanksgiving marathon, which was called like Dinners of Death or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was all cannibal movies. Look, he had one of the he had the uh, the guy with the big crazy eyes interviewed. It was a very sweet interview. I'm glad I watched it. I, I, I there's nothing brings me more joy these days than sitting down with a Joe Bob and a, and a horror. And I still have some to go through. Uh, that said, this was one of my least favorite he's shown. I know I saw it when I was a kid when I was trying to check off this book of like the hundred greatest movies ever made in each genre, and this was on the horror list. And folks in my opinion, not deservedly so. I think the movie I remember more and had more of an impact on me, not that I love this movie either, was the remake, Alejandro Aja's version. I own that. I've never watched it. It was really scary and disturbing, and I don't ever want to watch it again. But it stuck with me a lot more than this legendary movie, Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes, which to me was dull just long scenes of people walking through the desert, you know, like I don't really remember any great scares in it. The cannibals were not scary to me. The people they were stalking were unlikable at best. I just wasn't into it. Um, I, It's an okay movie. It's not one of my favorites. I mean, but it is a different type of horror movie. It certainly is more of an exploitation film. Sure. That's supposed to sort of rattle your cage, you know. For instance, when they t fucking take the baby and you think they might murder a baby. Right. That's nerve-wracking. Um, well, apparently in the original draft, they ate the baby. And the actor was like, no, I'm not doing this scene. You can fire me, but I'm not doing the scene. So they cut it. Uh, they say they're going to eat the baby in it. But they, but they, they don't. did in the original, apparently. But not. But But it was fake, right? Yeah, I mean, somebody, didn't a human eat didn't eat a baby. On, no, no. <laughs> Thank God for that. Uh, I mean, this came on the heels, sort of, of uh, Last House on the Left. which Also is, remade. Was also remade, which the, that remake sucked. Yeah. Um, 1977. Uh, interesting fact about... So, so, first of all, it coming after Last House on the Left... Um, it's interesting to me because it seems there's a lot of it to me mimics that movie. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Like a pack of brutal people prey upon a pack of innocent people and do horrible things to them. Right. Uh, but there's some interesting trivial, trivia with this, uh, with this movie. I'm, I'm reading from Wikipedia right now, and I wanted to, to make a point to do this because I learned some stuff. Craven based the film script on the legend of cannibal Sawney Bean, which Craven viewed as illustrating how supposedly civilized people could become savage. That is sort of in there. I don't really see that. No. Uh, this is one they always want to put in those documentaries where they're like, 
Horror was so much more about the scares, man. Like in the 70s, it was a commentary on Vietnam or whatever. This movie is just a cannibal in the desert movie. I, I, I didn't get much else out of it. Other influences for this movie. You ready for this? Yes. The Grapes of Wrath. Okay. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Some critics interpret the film as containing commentary on morality and American politics. Yeah, if you mean like the morality of cannibals are bad... Sure, yeah, it addressed that theme. And it does, I, I understand it was supposed to be like, look what it drives the civilized people to do. It's right. Like, well, it's more like they're just trying to survive. Yeah. Like in, in Last House of the Left, doesn't she like bite a guy's dick off or something? Like it, it's I way think crazier, so, yeah. you know? Uh, where's the thing I'm looking for, though? Hold on. Development. Wes Craven... In 1977, desired to make a non-horror film following his directorial debut, Last House on the Left, from 1972, because he saw the horror genre as constraining, which is interesting because as we talked about in a previous episode, I think it was our bonus ep, we talked about how guys like Adam McKay are so good at comedy, yet they demand they do this other thing. Right. Instead of just utilizing their gift. And it's interesting to me that Wes Craven kind of wanted to do that too. He... he I guess looked a little bit down on horror. Not uh, you know, maybe down's the wrong word, but but he couldn't find producers interested in financing a project that did not feature bloody violence. So Craven's friend producer Peter Locke was interested in financing a horror exploitation film, and Craven decided to write the project due to his monetary issues. Craven considered collaborating with Sean S. Cunningham on the horror children's film based on Hansel and Gretel. That would have been fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, but Locke wanted the film to be more last in the vein of Last House on the left. What the fuck would that have been like? Hansel and Gretel? Why has that never been done? Uh, there's been a Hansel and Gretel horror movie. I think it just sucked, but... The only one I know is the Witch Hunters one. Right. But I think they have made it. Um... Look, I to me, this was a below-average horror movie. And when I was that night, part of the fun of watching these marathons live is you actually do the hashtag. I so rarely do that shit. But you see what everybody's saying about the movie in real time. And that one, man, like people, as, as pumped as they were about Joe Bob, they were just kind of like, oh, this movie's not great. And it, it isn't. Well, and I think it played second to Texas Chainsaw, didn't it? It did, correct. And it's a I huge mean, letdown from that. You can't. How are you going to... Because that was an influence on this movie, but I mean, how are you going to follow Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah. Uh, what else was in the Dinners of Death, by the way? Uh, Blood Feast or Blood Rage, one of the two. Okay. You know the one that you talked about on here, the really old one? Yeah, the, uh, the one from that set over there. What's his face? My brain is mush right now. Uh, and also, the other dinner of death was... Herschel Lewis. That Herschel Lewis, yes. Um, and let me look. I watched all the dinner of deaths, and I'm still working on Christmas because there was 13 movies. Dinner of death, Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, Christmas was just Phantasm, wasn't it? Christmas was Phantasm, but he had the, the first one where he came back. That was the thirteen. Oh, that one that was the Halloween one. Correct. Okay. Uh you can't find anything online anymore. God damn it. 
Chainsaw Hills Have Eyes, uh, Dead or Alive, the Takeshi Miike, which was super fucked up, a crazy Japanese movie. Was it good? Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, good, I don't know, but... Is that also about cannibals? Um, no, I wouldn't say it is. You do see dogs fucking it, if that interests you. Uh, uh, where do I sign up? Blood Feast was actually on his first marathon. Okay. And what showed was 1987's Blood Rage, which was a pretty good Thanksgiving horror movie. Blood you know, Rage. Definitely like a second tier, but it was like really fun and trashy. I'm unfamiliar with Blood Rage. Yeah, it was new to me as well. That's what I like. He does some classics, you know, Hellraiser or whatever, but he also throws you some you never heard of, and they wind up being really cool. I Googled Blood Rage, and what came up is a Viking-themed board game. <laughs> okay. Scoop it up. Uh, Blood Rage, 1987 slasher film with Bruce. Wow. You know, it's it's always a bad scene when the director's name is it in blue on the Wikipedia. Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh, gosh, poor bastard. Oh, but it's set on Thanksgiving. You got a Wikipedia page? Yeah, oh yeah. I, t- I don't want one. Don't make me one. But, uh, you know, my name's on Wikipedia, and then I'm also like a notable alumni of Francis Howell High School. That's and nice. No matter where I'm mentioned, I ain't blue because I don't got my own page. I'm fine with it. I don't want people to be able to be like, oh, he smells like farts, you know. Pat, I didn't want one either, but the fans <laughs> get what the fans want, and the fans made a page. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like the, the, that you can change it. You know, you, there could be horrible things written about you, and you'd never know. No, they, but they, they, it's policed for that. That oh, happened okay. to me, and it gets taken down. I would imagine it happened to you. Oh, you know, you got a bastard, and you're bastard people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you had all those haters for so long, and I assume still do. Pat, I got to tell you something. I am digging deep to try to think of something else to say about The Hills Have Eyes. I, I don't have another goddamn word to say about it. Well, it's, it was okay. And you, you know, haven't like, seen the remake to compare it to. I, I don't love it. I didn't, I didn't love it. What you, what's your take on Hills in general? You mean boobs? Did you ever watch MTV's The Hills? I did. I never saw it. Was it addictive? Did you watch a bunch of it? Uh, I fell in love instantly with Lauren Conrad and wanted to marry her, so I would sure. watch it for that reason. Uh, but yeah, it had an addictive quality to it. I understand why people got into it. I mean, it was the first... The Hills, I believe, was the first reality show to be shot like an actual show. Right. You know, and I had never seen that before. I'd only seen like the real world where it's like, you know, it's very obviously a docu-series. Yeah. And they shot the show, The Hills, like it was a fucking scripted show, but it wasn't. I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, nudged. I've seen small moments of it. It never interested me. Um, I was always a Temptation Island guy. God, you're just just a horny bastard. Uh, I would do Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. Temptation Island is back now on USA, and I might watch the new season. Now, let me ask you that a question. That show was sick. They Why? would they'd put you on an island with people that are your exact physical and emotional type and try to get you to cheat on your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend. It was a crazy show, and they all did. Did you like Cheaters? Cheaters, I could give or take. That, that often seemed set up to me. 
Yeah, the older I got, the more. You know what was a real letdown was, uh, I remember being so excited for scare tactics, and then you work in the business for like two minutes, and you're like, oh, that's all fake. Right, yeah. There's no way that's real. That's a That was a bummer. Yeah. I mean, Temptation Island was in that early, like, Fox, Sleaze, reality, they'd do anything for a rating days. Remember that? Fox, they were pigs when they came out. Sick. They had that show where the guy was, like, putting the laser light pointer on the cellulite on women's legs and stuff. Remember that? Remember their first two sitcoms were married with children, and then the other one was Herman. Women in Prison. Oh, I was thinking Herman's Head. I remember guess Women later. in Prison with with Mary Jo, uh, what's her face from Back to the Future? Sperber. Yeah, Wendy Jo Sperber. Yeah, it was about five women in in prison. It was a multicam sitcom. You know, I pitched and was turned down a multicam sitcom about prison because it seems like why wouldn't you? Those shows have to exist on a few sets. It gives you a reason. To not leave. And then I think, you know, Orange is the New Black came along. Not that it was down to me or them, but nobody wanted my idea. It's always been between you and them, I feel. <laughs> um, yeah, I... What do you feel about... How do you feel about eyes? I like eyes. I don't notice them. I don't... I feel like almost nobody in my life would I know what color their eyes are. Would you say they're my best feature? What color are my eyes, Joe? Brown. My eyes are blue. What color are my eyes? Brown. Blue. So that we don't know each other at all. I mean, Joe and I have spent... If you don't know me by now. If you don't know me. I mean, that's how little... Like, you know, women will always do it. Like, you, you, like if, if my wife tonight was like, you don't know my eye color, it would wound her. Guys can know each other for five years, spend days together. Christ, what is this, a Tim Allen routine? And have no idea what the... <laughs> ha, 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 what color the eyes are. No, we don't care. Good Lord. <laughs> Right out of a home improvement script. <laughs> I mean, guys don't care. <laughs> yeah, that, wow. that was feeling very uh, <laughs> 80s stand-up. Little Paul Provenza. Provenza, I know him. He would never do a bit like oh, that. All right, fine. <laughs> he give Provenza's credit. I was just talking. I wasn't trying to do a damn bit. Uh, I know. You are right, though. You are right, though. But I'll tell you, ask a fellow what a woman's cleavage looks like. He could describe it from memory. <laughs> That's uh, Do it as Woody Allen. Uh, often men are completely unfamiliar with the details of a woman. Uh, speaking, of course, not about the cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That was good. I like how you included the uh, dry mouth, like cat food, uh, tongue lick. Yeah, he's always like belching or something. Yeah, There's some sort of gas yeah, thing I, going on. I always, I. I, oh, I <laughs> uh, well, folks, that's our show. I think. I think so. It's a little short today. We're sorry. We cut today's a little short. Joe's heading back out of town. You know. Well, I'm. I've already. The the marriage is a shambles. When this when this comes out, I will already have returned from the trip. Okay. But I have to. But as we record this, I have to go on a two week run, which we talked about on one of the other previous episodes. I leave tomorrow. I didn't know I was leaving for that long, until uh, basically today. Right. And uh, so we had to squeeze three episodes together tonight, uh, and this is the third one. And we're not trying to cheat anybody. We wanna we wanna give you your free podcast worth. And I I think you got it. I do too. I hope you got it. I do too. And if you don't, I hope you get it. Yeah, I mean we're trying to not have to skip a week. 
we we wish we had a more exciting movie. I mean, it, it just doesn't inspire a lot of a lot of chatter. I think I, this might be one of those cases of like a super influential movie that when you go back and check it out, you're like, yeah, the, I, this has been doubled and tripled a thousand times over. I thought it was going to carry us a lot farther. Also, and for some reason, I'm so dumb, I didn't think like, oh, I should watch the remake too, and then we could talk about that. Sure. The remake is very intense, and uh, you know, I would say not, not a fun watch. It's one of those, you know, that, that kind of horror movie that's just sort of like rubbing your face and depravity kind of thing. Well, I'll watch it, and we can do that on a later ep. Okay. I don't want to watch it again, though. You don't have to. Don't, don't make me watch it again. You've already seen it. I'll just watch it. All right. All right. Plugs. Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Joe DeRosa Comedian on Facebook. Go to the Facebook page. Give it a like. Check out my Hoagies Heroes sandwich making videos uh, and upcoming gigs. I will be doing Bonkers Comedy Club in March in Las Vegas. Good, good chance Patty Walsh will be with me. That's right. Uh, for emotional support and booze drinking after the shows. Um, I think it's just two shows, uh, and I'll get you more specific details soon. But Hellions, come on out and enjoy yourselves. I am the Patrick Walsh on Twitter and Instagram. The cool Kids airs Friday nights on the Fox Network, or you can watch it on Hulu as well. Folks, thank you very much. We'll be back. Joe and I are still planning that Aquaman watch, so you might want to check that out in preparation. Um, but thank you for listening. If you want to check out our uh, Oscars podcast, get the Patreon. And we will see you next time. We'll also see you in hell.